Benjamin. Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Wednesday, July the 19th, 2023. It's episode 165 of this pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You can find the pod, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also listen over on YouTube, search bar Matt Bernier Show. You'll get this episode along with the 164 prior, as always. Please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down, comments beneath the video player, uh, whatever those comments may be, positive, negative, suggestions, questions, anything. Things that you want to see going forward, things you want to see less of, hear less of, doesn't matter. Leave them beneath the video player. And again, thumbs up, thumbs down, and in your podcast feeds, make sure five-star review, one-star review, just leave a review, leave a rating. All that stuff goes a long way as far as the In The Money Media team is concerned. And over on YouTube, if you are listening there, if the bell icon's lit up, you're going to get notified when new content's uploaded to the In The Money Media channel, including JK Plus One, including the Players Pod, including Horse Players Happy Hour, including this show, whatever it may be that goes up on the In The Money YouTube channel. If you have the bell icon lit up, you're going to get a notification. So all the best ways for you to find whatever is going on in the In The Money universe. This week's show is going to be a combination of looking at Saturday's Haskell. Historically, where the Haskell stacks up in terms of the other big grade one for three-year-olds over the summer and what performances in this race may mean or not mean going forward. And we'll button it up with a very, very brief look at the Open Championship, which starts uh, as I'm recording this in probably like... 12 to 15 hours, somewhere thereabouts, I would say it'll still be useful. Those of you that can play in-game, you can get down. At the very least, you'll just hear who I like, who I'm going to be betting ahead of time, and the price that they are currently listed at at the FanDuel Sportsbook. But let's begin with the focus for everyone, I believe. This upcoming weekend is the Haskell. I'm headed back down my final weekend on the Jersey Shore for this year. I leave tomorrow afternoon. I'll be down there. We've got full on-site coverage. It's me and Larry. We've been there basically forever now. But we will also have Scott Hazelton. We will have Kate and Bradar. We will have Rich Perloff. We'll have Ashley Mayu. Uh, NBC is there. There, I believe everybody's going to be on-site. Um, I had to work for FanDuel this week, so I couldn't do the NBC show. But they've got a great crew all assembled and ready to roll. And thankfully, it sounds like it's going to be a fabulous fabulous race and the real news headed into the weekend was would he or wouldn't he meaning mage would the derby winner show up here or would they wait a week to run in the gym dandy knowing that the long-term short-term long-term combination of the two goal is the travers and i tweeted once they announced his commitment to run saturday that when you look at the probables, and this is how I'm going to operate. I'm looking at the probables. They have not drawn the race yet, but I'm going to operate as if the field looks like this, and this is how I'll kind of preview it ahead of time as well. Arabian Knight, extra Anejo, go Rocket Ride, how great is Nate, Mage, salute the stars, tap it trice. Seven horses. I'm, I'm much more these days in the camp, especially it's one race. I'm much more in the camp of quality over quantity. I don't need I don't need seven more horses of filler. And granted, at Monmouth, you couldn't even do that. But I don't need five more horses to, to fill out a full gate. 
if they don't have a chance. These are seven good horses that are going to line up on Saturday. Knock wood, everybody gets there. And that's all I care about. This is going to be the best race of the year, period, to this point, if they all show up. From a talent standpoint, from a potential standpoint, there's no doubt in my mind that this is the best group of three-year-olds that's been assembled for an individual race. So it's announced Mage is going to the to the Haskell as a prep for the Travers. And I tweeted, you know, how crazy is it that the Derby winner and the second choice, the, the narrow second choice in the Derby wagering itself are going to be running in the same race and neither of them are likely to be the favorite. That is kind of wild. And I don't know what the precedent is or isn't for that kind of thing happening, but I can't imagine it happens or has happened very frequently throughout the years with the assumption that Arabian Knight goes off as the favorite for Bob Baffert. So then I started seeing people, um, Howard Kravitz, my friend, he's got the HHH racing pod with, you know, with Paul Halloran and Pete Visco and, and everybody over there saying, you know, maybe it's a little bit of shade thrown at the Haskell to, to term it as a prep race. And when I tweeted the, my piece there about how you know great this race is going to be i had someone reply and say who cares it's not happening at saratoga so it made me start thinking a little bit of like all right well why is this kind of a a microcosm and again maybe i'm really pulling from an extremely small sample but i want to do a little bit more of a, a dive into it why does the haskell feel like it is a prep for the travers when it's a grade one, it's a million-dollar race, it's a prestigious race. You look at some of the names that have won the race in the past. I mean, this this is a proper grade one, you know, shining star as far as the three-year-olds are concerned. If you win one of these races, you win, you know, you, you kind of etch your name in stone for history. And I thought, especially so with a year like this, where I'm, I'm glad they chose to go here and we'll... We'll talk more about the the phrasing of of saying this is a prep for the Travers. But if you're looking at the three-year-old landscape, and Larry Colmus and I have had this conversation off air over the past few weeks when we were talking about what the field may or may not look like for this race. If you're everyone involved with Mage, right, and let's say he's ready to go, and I'm not saying ready to go that he's going to go run a hole in the wind, but that he's going to race, right, and your options are here on Saturday at Monmouth Park, or next Saturday at Saratoga. My question would be, between the two races, the Jim Dandy and the Haskell, if you win the Jim Dandy, let's say you let's say you win the first, but you don't win the second. Okay. You either win the Jim Dandy if you went there, or you win the Haskell. And then regardless of which race you ran in, you go on and lose the Travers. If you win the Jim Dandy, it's a grade two. Uh, I believe it's $600,000, somewhere thereabouts. Nice quality purse, big numbers. It's a good race. It's a grade two. If you go to Monmouth and you win the Haskell, it's a million dollars. It's a grade one. And in terms of year-end awards, let's say you don't win another grade one going forward. You, you do still have two grade ones in your back pocket, including the one that kind of is the trump card for the entire division in the Kentucky Derby. But for a horse like Mage, 
And I kind of feel this way about everyone. I'm not trying to shit on the Jim Dandy. But when they're so close in time, it's a difference between four weeks and five weeks between these races and the Travers. Why would you not run in the grade one? As someone who thinks there are far too many grade one races, period. I can also sit here and, and think from a business decision. Why would you not run in the grade one that inherently, if you win, you you know, you, you can arguably make a stallion off of this. If I'm, uh, let's just use, I'm looking at the board. If I'm Go Rocket Ride and I win this race, I end up with a stud deal. And in all the adverts, it says, you know, winner of the grade one Haskell in, you know, I'm, I'm just BSing here in record time. Or if I'm extra Anejo, you know, defeated Kentucky Derby winner Mage in the grade one Haskell. You know, are they, are they going to write anything about that if you win the Jim Dandy? No, the Jim Dandy genuinely feels like you need to then springboard that into success in the Travers for it to truly matter, other than the dollars and cents in your back pocket. So I always thought it was, it made too much sense. It was too logical for Mage to run here. If he is going to run, run here. Now, back to the the phrasing of it being a prep for the Travers and then sort of some of the, the social talk i started thinking about it a little bit and i wanted to go through and we've only got charts back to 2013 available through drf's formulator product compare and contrast the way the haskell has played versus the way the travers has played long term as far as the three-year-old division is concerned and specifically how one has translated into the other because anecdotally i've always thought and it's been discussed that the Haskell to Travers move is not a successful one, and I couldn't figure out why. And maybe that's part of the reason that there are the folks that point to the Jim Dandy to get to the Travers, because historically, the Haskell to Travers move just has not, it's not been fruitful. And I don't really know why. But going back to 2013, in the Haskell, Verrazano wins. He earns a 116 buyer speed figure. You take a look at the horses that he ran against. And I just kind of, I was just stacking up. Like, if you needed to pick, in hindsight, which race was better, you give the check mark. They win. The Haskell in 2013 versus the Travers in 2013. Verrazano wins the Haskell, the 116 buyer. The horses he beat, eh. Power broker, micromanage. The 2013 Travers will take charge wins with a 107 buyer, so a much slower race. But he defeats horses in Moreno, Orb, Palace Malice, and Verrazano, who in a field of nine finishes seventh. Really a non-factor. Okay, so that to me is a feather in the cap of the Travers. Haskell Travers 2014. Byron wins with a 111 buyer. He defeats a, a field largely of, of nothing of consequence, with the exception of Untappable, the Philly. She finished fifth that day. The 2014 Travers, not a great field either. VE Day defeats Tonalist, defeats Wicked Strong. VE Day earns a 102, so a much slower race. But Byron runs in that race as well. He finishes dead last in a field of 10. So I guess another tick to the Travers being sort of purely in terms of how the races shook out, which one ended up being better. Travers is up 2-0. 2015, 
2015, American Pharaoh wins the Haskell with a 109 buyer. He's brilliant doing so. The runner-up is Keen Ice, who earns a 105. They come back in the Travers. Keen Ice gets the better of him. He earns a 106. Pharaoh finishes second with a 105. But both of those horses defeated Frosted. I suppose you could say either one of those is, you know, Haskell versus Travers. You know, I guess it's 50-50. I gave a slight nod to the Travers because the balance of the field included Frosted and included Texas Red and some other runners. Upstart. He was in both races, I believe. 2016. Exaggerator wins the Haskell. He defeats American Freedom. He defeats Gunrunner. He earns a 101 buyer in the process. You go to the Travers. Arrowgate explodes with a 120. American Freedom is the runner-up again that day. He finished second in the Haskell and the Travers. Gunrunner finishes third in the Travers. Connect is in that field as well. He comes back and wins the Grade 1 Pennsylvania Derby ahead of Gunrunner. Creator was in that field. He won the Belmont that year. He's up the track. And... Your Haskell winner, Exaggerator, finishes 11th in a field of 13. So, so far, through four iterations of the Haskell to Travers move, you have a Haskell winner, four Haskell winners, that finished 7th of 9, 10th of 10, 2nd of, I think, 12, and 11th of 13. If you take Pharaoh out of that sample, so far, the, the Haskell is striking out badly in terms of being productive to get to the Travers. 2017, Gervin wins the Haskell with a modest 95 buyer speed figure. He beats a decent field, though. McCracken, Practical Joke, Irish War Cry, Battle of Midway. Battle of Midway goes on to win a Breeders' Cup race. The Travers that year. West Coast wins with the 108. He defeats Gunavera. He defeats IRAP. Uh, the Belmont winner, Taprit. McCracken, Cloud Computing, Always Dreaming. They're all also rands in the Travers. As is Gervin, who won the Haskell and then parlayed that into an 11th place finish in a field of 12 in the Travers. 2018, the only horse of consequence in the Haskell was the winner, Good Magic. Earns a 98 buyer. Comes back a few weeks later, runs in the Travers. Catholic Boy wins that day with a 104. Mendelssohn second. Vino Rosso, an eventual Breeders' Cup Classic winner, is in that field. As is Good Magic who finishes ninth in a field of 10. So to this point, it is kind of startling how bad the Haskell winners then went on to do in the Travers. 2019, I would go with an asterisk. Oh, and by the way, I think the Travers was the better race in all of those six instances. 2019, rather large asterisk. Maximum Security wins the Haskell with a 102, defeats Mucho Gusto, defeats Spun to Run. The only horse of those three that comes out to run in the Travers is Mucho Gusto, who runs third. I guess you give the nod to the Haskell primarily because, put Maximum Security aside, Mucho Gusto goes on to win the Pegasus next year. Spun to Run wins the Dirt Mile, so a good field. And the Travers that year was largely meh. Code of Honor won. Tacitus did what Tacitus always did finish second or third. So give a slight nod to the Haskell there. 2020, COVID year, bit of an odd scheduling. You weren't going to get horses that run in both of these races because they were only separated by a couple of weeks. Uh, the Haskell authentic wins with a 101 buyer. The Travers is run at the beginning of August that year. Tis the Law wins with a 109. He defeats Country Grammar, who would eventually go on to be a, a Dubai World Cup winner. 
but I'd have to give the nod to Authentic and Haskell in that spot because not only did he defeat Tis the Law on the square in the Derby at the beginning of September, but he went on to win the Breeders' Cup Classic. In 21, the Haskell featured the disqualification of Hot Rod Charlie. Uh, Mandaloon is elevated to victory via DQ. Midnight Bourbon, unfortunately, went down that day. But thankfully, he was okay, and he came back, and he ran in the Travers, and he ran a good race, but he could not defeat essential quality. They both, both earned 107s that day. I'd give a slight nod to the Travers. And then last year, I give a nod to the Haskell. And this is really, you know, sort of the, the best effort from a Haskell winner in the Travers since Pharaoh in 2015. Cyberknife wins the Haskell with a 102, defeats Taba, defeats Jack Christopher, defeats Benavengo, who we saw on the Jersey Shore a couple weeks ago earn a 104 in his return going short. I would love to see him in the forego before they tried to go back to two turns. That's just my opinion. Another story for another day. Cyberknife takes that 102 and parlays that into a second place finish in the Travers behind Epicenter, who earned a 112 that day, and they finished ahead of a bunch of meh kind of runners. So I'd give the nod there to the Haskell, knowing what Jack Christopher then went on to do in the H. Allen Jerkins and what Tabo went on to do and so on and so forth. But the, the key takeaway, the past 10 years... You have had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven horses that have won the Haskell and gone on to run in the Travers. And those seven winners went on to finish 7th, 10th, 2nd, 11th, 11th, 9th, and 2nd. For the life of me, I can't figure out why. There's five weeks between the races. That's kind of what a lot of the the, the modern thoroughbred is trained for, spacing-wise. I mean, are the tracks different? Absolutely. Are they that much different? Maybe so, apparently so. And remember, Baffert didn't even really want to run Pharaoh back in the Travers. That was more of an ownership call. And he got cooked in the pace duel with Frosted and it set up for Keen Ice. So he could have won that race, certainly. He, he ran a winning race. He just didn't didn't win. And Cyberknife ran very well, but he was on the lead in the Travers that day. And I think he's better with the target. And really neither here nor there because Epicenter ran a hole in the wind. But beyond that, all the, Tra- the Haskell winners have come back and been dreadful in the Travers. So full circle. The phrasing, is it disrespectful or does it matter? You know, if you're a, if you're a Saratoga fanboy, obviously it's not going to make a difference to you. My only caution would be, if this is genuinely a prep to get to the Travers on Saturday in the Haskell, whether it be for Mage or for anyone else in this field, historically, at least for the past 10 years, and I understand it's a small sample, but it's not been a particularly good one. Personally, I think it's the only call if you're camp mage or team mage for the reason I brought up at the beginning. That if you win this race on Saturday, even if it is a prep, air quotes, prep, because it's a grade one. If you win, you go a long way into locking up divisional honors, you're probably not going to win Horse of the Year unless you defeat Cody's Wish or something crazy happens with Cody's Wish. 
because it seems like he is things would probably need to go sideways for Cody's wish not to be horse of the year at least in my opinion but if you're mage and you win this race on Saturday you you have a, a I would say a pretty good stranglehold on three-year-old champion honors and that's regardless of how you perform in the Travers so I think it's the right move to run him here I would caution anyone though if you're looking with an eye toward the end of August up north past 10 years anyway would say this is not the strongest move the most productive move to go from the Jersey Shore up to Saratoga now as far as the race itself is concerned I'm operating off of the probables things could change the race is not drawn I don't know posts I don't know any of that jazz but I've gone through I've done the tape these are my thoughts on each of the runners in here I've not priced it out I'll wait to do that over the weekend Arabian Knight he didn't beat a great deal in that race at Oakland at the beginning of the season but I think the most striking thing about him I'm not going to make the the American Pharaoh comp I think that's a bit crazy I know some people have I, I think that's a bit over the top the thing that was most impressive to me not only was he out there on a fast pace but when you saw Velasquez just give him a little tap with the stick in deep stretch or I say in deep stretch probably about the eighth pole he went from running well to responding immediately and that's when he put those four lengths on the field or whatever the margin ended up being which to me is kind of the sign of a horse that's got a great deal of potential and, and it, this is just my interpretation I don't know jack shit about jack shit as far as horses and actual behavior but to me if he listens to cues that well I think that's an extremely extremely encouraging sign and if he was doing that back in January I know he hasn't raced since but I'd like to think that that projects well going into Saturday and we all know Baffert's record at Monmouth Park. It's sparkling. And if he believes this is his best horse, his best three-year-old, he's not just showing up just to show up. I think the horse is showing up to prove a point and arguably say, look, you've all had your, your fun over the, the Triple Crown season, talking about who's best, who's better than who, I, I've had the best one all along. And maybe I'll show that off on Saturday. Extra Anejo. This was a horse last year as a two-year-old. Some people were looking at saying he could be a derby prospect and, and be a, a derby contender, a derby favorite. Then he got hurt. He got dinged up a little bit, gone for a long time, came back on derby weekend, was defeated. And then he came back at Ellis Park and he won like a good thing. And that was at that oddball mile configuration there turn and a half whatever you'd like to call it that was really good he was really never asked for his best and I don't know what he beat that day but he might be a hair light on figs I think he's going the right way though and uh in terms of of gambling I, I think there's a scenario that he is at best third choice and perhaps I, can't, I don't think he'd be fifth choice but he could be the fourth choice. And in a seven-horse field, if you just wanted to ballpark it and say he's 
six to one, seven to one, man, that's pretty tempting. That's pretty tempting. Go Rocket Ride. I just went back and watched his Affirmed. He is light on figs. I think he needs to improve. I thought the Affirmed was the candy trip of all candy trips, and he ran well. And for Richard Mandela, who immediately said the Haskell is going to be the target for this horse, I think you need to respect that, that, you know, he's he's had a plan all along. This was the race. This is an extremely good group, in my opinion. And I think he should probably be the fifth choice. But again, for what he's accomplished and, and the hands that he's in and how he runs, you know, 10 to 1 on a horse like that, that seems like a pretty appetizing proposition as well. I'm going to couple How Great Is Nate and Salute the Stars together because they both come out of the Pegasus. How Great Is Nate ran third, Salute the Stars won. How Great Is Nate, I think this is a, a big ask. I don't think he's quite this good. Uh, he's probably going to be 30 to 1 in this field. Salute the Stars won the Pegasus, and immediately afterward, I tweeted it, and I know others kind of shared the, the sentiment, like how much the best was he with the terrible start and racing wide and X, Y, and Z. If you have not been listening or watching us on FanDuel TV over the course of the meeting, Larry and I have, have talked about it ad nauseum, but I it is it continues to, to bear out. June 17th is when that Pegasus was run. And outside is where you wanted to be. All the moves were coming on the outside. I don't believe it was a closer versus speed situation. I think it was outside paths versus inside paths. And Salute the Stars made his big rally down the center of the racetrack. So does it mean that he didn't run well? No, but he probably didn't run as well as initially it looked. I think he should be the sixth choice in this race, and I think he's going to be. And again, if you if you look at it and say he won the local prep, he's trained by Brad Cox, you're going to give me 15 to 1? I'm going to take it? Hey, more power to you. I think he's a talented horse. He's He's taking on an entirely different set of animals here. Literally and figuratively. Mage. Got a beautiful setup in the Kentucky Derby. Got a phenomenal ride from Javier Castellano. Came back in the half. Excuse me. And the Preakness didn't get the pace that he needed to run at. And, you know, I, I think big picture, it was a fine third place finish. Non-threatening, but the dynamics of the race didn't set up well for him. And there was even kind of talk that, you know, did the connections really truly want to go? As... You know, fans of the game and, and folks that have been in it for a while, they knew historically, you know, you want the Derby winner in the Preakness. Go on, take a shot. It didn't work out. He's had time. I don't love the wavering back and forth between do we go here or do we wait? I'm not going to repeat everything I said at the top of the show, but I think this is the right call. And I don't think he's impossible in here. He's probably the second choice behind Arabian Night. And how about that? I mean, a derby winner that in all of his graded stakes races, assuming he doesn't go off favored, will not have been favorite in any of them. Is that a sign of disrespect? Or is it just acknowledging that he's a very good horse, but he's running against other very good horses? Tactically, he may be up against it a little bit. And he did have an ideal setup in the Kentucky Derby. 
And when he didn't have an ideal setup in the Preakness, he finished third. Just food for thought. And then Tapatrice, who was almost the betting favorite in the Kentucky Derby this year, ended up being the second choice. Uh, he was terrible that day. He came back. He was, I guess, fine in the Belmont, but just fine. Never really threatened. I was stunned when he was announced as the one going here as opposed to Forte. I guess Forte, maybe it is as simple as let's get the run over the surface that we want to peak at in four weeks' time. I would think Forte is much better suited for Monmouth Park than Tapatrice is. I still don't know how good Tapatrice actually is. But he's he's no higher than third choice. He might even be the fourth choice. Maybe Extra Anejo is the third choice. So if you liked Tapatrice against 19 other horses, just let's call it, um, what, 10 weeks ago, shouldn't you like him at a similar price to what he was that day against a field of seven? Maybe it's not as simple as that, but I don't think I love his chances, but his biggest win to date did come at a mile and an eighth. So we'll see. So much of his situation will be the draw as well. If he draws outside, uh, you want to upgrade him a little bit. If he's down toward the inside, mm, probably going to have to do a little bit of maneuvering to get out into the clear. I do think Arabian Nights going to be tough. The home into that, my final picks will be up over on TVG.com, on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, on FanDuel TV on Saturday afternoon. We'll talk about the race all day. But I think it's going to be a fabulous race. Let me know your thoughts about the Haskell beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. And just overall, what your thoughts are about, you know, if you had one of these horses and they're ready to go, do you run here in the grade one, one million dollar Haskell? Or do you wait a week to run in a grade two for a purse that is, you know, three-fifths the number on the hopes that you springboard and with the assumption that you are pointing to the Travers at the end of August? Which race do you run in? Let me know. And we'll wrap this up with a quick look ahead to the Open, which, again, my favorite golf tournament of the year. Had the winner last year with Cam Smith, Australian. This year, we're at Hoylake. We're at Liverpool. And let's see what the updated pricing is as we get ready for the first round. I said it a few weeks ago. I'm most interested in Adam Scott, who is another Australian. The FanDuel Sportsbook, he is currently 75 to 1, plus 7,500, plus 7,500. He's played well at Hoy Lake in the past. I know they've had a bit of a course reno over the past few years. If this turns into more of a driving test because there's a little bit of rain that came in, he is one of the better drivers of the ball. He has been over the past 20 years. And I still think he's the kind of guy that historically, if he only, if, if he only, I say only air quotes, if he only ends up with a Masters, is he gonna be, he's going to probably be remembered as one of the best golfers, men's golfers, with one major to his name. I mean, he was world number one for a long time. And the Open is a tournament that it seems like 
experience goes a long way. And being a little bit crafty. And I think this could be an opportunity for him to, you know, he had that meltdown a few years ago when Ernie Els went and got him. You know, he started leaking oil bad on the back nine and Els was able to run him down. I think maybe this is an opportunity for him to right the ship, to get his second career major, to lift the claret jug. I'm going with Adam Scott, another Aussie, to win this year's Open Championship. Again, my favorite tournament of the year. I've had success betting it in the past, and hopefully I have some success again this year. Let me know. Same spots beneath the video player or on Twitter who you like in the Open Championship. That's going to do it for this week's show. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. YouTube, search bar map burning your show and get this episode along with the 164 prior. Um, continue to check out Horse Players Happy Hour. It goes to a great cause, Thoroughbred Aftercare. You have opportunities to get into the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge, which I am very jealous of because I no longer can play. But it's all for a good cause. Make sure you're signed up Thursday afternoons, Horse Players Happy Hour. Get involved over on horseplayers.com. And again, this weekend, FanDuel TV. Full coverage, not only of opening weekend at Del Mar, but the big one. The grade one, $1 million TVG.com Haskell Stakes from the Jersey Shore. I'm going to head on down there until next week. Maybe there'll be a pod. Maybe there'll be another pod this week. Who knows? I don't even know. We got time. Be on the lookout. Until next time. Best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 165 of the Map Burner Show.